Hi everyone and welcome to Elite Rugby SNC podcast. Today is episode six. So first off, if you haven't already, sign up and join Elite Rugby SNC. We provide you with all your strength, conditioning, speed, and recovery needs. You can try before you buy. So we have a seven-day, seven-dollar trial, and that gives you a taste of what we offer here at Elite Rugby SNC. So take your game to the next level, become a beast, and join our community today. G'day, Ben. How are you? Yeah, really good. Thank you, Kieran. Fantastic day here. Sunny, warm. How about yourself? Uh, I'm doing really well, thanks. And today in Canberra has been a bit of a mixed bag. It's been pretty overcast and sun, and now it feels like a bit cold and starting to get wintry, you know? So a bit of a mixed bag today. That's it's all not good. ideal in February. Mm. So today we are going to get to know your coaches part two. So um, Cam Holt is an avid listener of our podcast, reached out to me um, and said we should explain to the our listeners more in depth of our experience so first off the bat ben what university uh, studied have you done and where did you do it at yeah uh, so uc i did uh, a bachelor of sports coaching so that was a quite a while ago at uh, the beginning of the century so to speak so <laughs> quite a while ago finished in 02 um, really good experience. Um, we know it's going through there. Um, so it's like a sports science degree, but it's really tailored towards coaching. To give you an idea, we were videotaped as well coaching a lot through this process and uh, yeah, critiqued on your actual coaching and the outcomes of your coaching. So it wasn't just about the sports science, it was actually how you delivered coaching. So before queuing was a known thing, we were judged on that all the time. <laughs> Also had a fantastic experience where every two weeks, someone uh, from the AIS or an elite coach would come in for two hours and they'd do a presentation and there's a Q&A with them. So we had outstanding coaches there. Like there were national team coaches and we got to delve into everything that it was to be an elite sports coach. So mm. very lucky time when I went through and um, I added to that and got a little bit of post-grad uh, stuff a little bit later on it just did a uh, post-grad certificate in sports analytics so that was more around uh, increasing the statistical analysis and reporting side of the job as that went how about you Kieran? So I was also at University Canberra as well so I did a bachelor's of sport and exercise science I also did probably half of my bachelor's of psychology and stopped due to doing my master's in snc um, instead and i might go back to the psychology one day who knows what the future holds but that was a really cool experience doing the bachelor's um, of sport and exercise science at uc it was a good mixture of theory and practical aspects and being able to do internships towards the back end of the um the degree was really really cool to learn from um, more professionals in a just an applied setting so getting to apply all your knowledge was really cool and then I also got to travel over to the states for my degree as well and that was really cool to learn from different coaches um, over there and just to see American sport as well was awesome and then with my master's that's where we, we really got in depth about all the different topics of SNC and we got to meet some really really cool coaches who all from around Australia and the world 
and they shared their experience. We got to ask them really in-depth questions, but we also got to talk to some Olympic athletes as well, which was really cool to get their experience, not just from a coaching, but just from being an athlete and what they enjoyed about SNC, um, what worked for them, what didn't work as well. So that was really cool. And yeah, it, it was, it's been a really cool experience. And this is the first year out of university and it, it feels a bit weird not having to do study or have a deadline for an exam or something like that. Yeah. Your life and your work is a deadline. Like the rest of the <laughs> Yeah. So what current ACA qualifications do you have? So for our listeners who don't know what the ACA is, it's the Australian Strength and Conditioning Association. Yeah, so I've got a level two elite. So lucky to get the elite from just so many years of coaching. Um, it's quite a hard thing to get. So obviously there's a level one, level two, and there's a level two professional. Um, then there's a level two elite which is basically you have to work with Olympic or full-time athletes for a number of years to get that. Um, and looking at this year, getting my level three. So just in the process of starting to um, sort of work out when I can and what's going on there. So mm. how about yourself? So I have my level two uh, professional scheme. So yeah, it's, it's the ACA has been a really cool way to, make sure that you are accredited and have done the hours to get that accreditation and really separate the coaches as well from the level one, but then clearly show who has the more experience in the level twos. And then with the new schema um, coming up this year for the level threes, I think it's been really cool and a good initiative by the ACA, but yeah, level two professional coach. Yeah. Great organization. Um, I know a lot of people don't give organisations the credit they do, but they're really practical and applied. Mm. And you, you can see that, um, that they definitely add to the uh, strength and conditioning community and the environment that we all get to operate in. So. Mm. And I think it's one of the only associations around the world that has those clear distinctions of different coaching levels. And that really helps obviously organizations hire SNC coaches, but can also help athletes understand at different levels of what coaching they need to seek out and, and get as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Good point. So in the last five years, can you provide us a more in-depth um, answer of your coaching experience? Yeah. Okay. So we might um, work where I am now and then work backwards from that. Sounds so, good. Yeah, currently uh, basically a contractor for um, the Air Force. So looking at developing strength and conditioning programs um, across a range of activities there. So really unique and cool environment. And uh, yeah, I get, get to do some really interesting work. Um, finished with Brumbies in July of 2001. So there I was uh, that year that I was working that season, I was uh, basically the strength and power coach, but you have multiple roles and you work across the whole um, uh, strength and conditioning area. It's sort of, you, you had a nominated role, but you, you're looking after multiple facets as you do, because it's only a small team of three and you're looking after you know, lots of training sessions in unique settings. Uh, the year previously, I looked after all the conditioning. So, um, for the main team. So my job was uh, yeah, to get them up for, to scratch from a conditioning point of view, but still um, you're looking after multiple areas, including recovery as well. 
Prior to that, I was uh, head of performance for the Brumbies Academy, um, going back a number of years. And through that, I also had a year where I was um, uh, basically in charge of the Australian under-20s team. So I went away for an under-20s World Cup over in, in the UK in Manchester at that time. Um, you said only five years, so I won't go any further back because that covers me. How about yourself? So the last five years, I'll do the exact same and go from my current situation uh, backwards. So at the moment, I run my own business, which if listeners and people on Instagram are sort of looking at, I'm Be Better Performance. So that's my page and that's my business now. So I'm contracted to the Air Force, just like Ben. You're not seeing double on this screen. We are two different people. We just happen to have similar, similar likes. <laughs> So yeah, contracted to the Air Force part-time working with 34 Squadron here in Canberra, which has been really cool so far working with um, some unique athletes and, and just getting to know the people of the Defence Force has been, is really cool because prior to that, I didn't really know anything about the Defence Force. So prior to that with the Air Force, I was with West uh, Rugby Club here in Canberra for three seasons as the head of strength and conditioning, looking after first grade, all the way down to, you could you could say fourth grade as well, because I, I did play a part in all those and the women's team, the Colts, and even the 18s as well, helping them out. So I was really a whole across the board, helping with the gym, also with the um, all the conditioning, and then also was the strapper as well from Tuesdays and Thursday nights, you know, um, if the physio couldn't get there or they only came once a week, I was the main person to come see if you wanted something strapped. So that was definitely something I learned um, over the time. And prior to that, I was with, I was at Brumbies. I helped out with the first ever Brumbies women's team in the inaugural season, which was a really cool experience um, just to finally get the women into a professional setting. And it was really cool to be a part of that first ever, ever squad. And I was also part of the youth sevens uh, Brumbies team as well. So that was really cool. Yeah, nice. I was going to say, um, when you talk about strapping, um, at the beginning, uh, like uh, early noughties, I quickly forgot how to strap after needing to do it lots and lots of time. And then uh, people would ask, can you strap? And I went, no, I didn't. <laughs> because we're quite busy doing other strength and yeah. conditioning needs. So hopefully you uh, quickly forget. Yeah, I didn't forget because the times that I did do it, the boys loved it. They're like, I prefer you strapping compared to the physio. So I was like, all right, I'll take that as a compliment. And yeah, they, they knew how to sweet talk me into strapping them. So <laughs> okay. you were good at it. I probably wasn't. Yeah, I was pretty good That's at fine. it. Not, not going <laughs> to brag here or anything like that. So I think you did. Yeah, I did. Oh, well. Um, so let's get, let's get a bit more in, information on your coaching philosophy. Um, just so our listeners know what your coaching philosophy and also just for the athletes and, and coaches out there. Yeah, so this is a probably a little task that I did several years ago and it's um, it really qualifies the way that you think about strength and conditioning. So mine is to give the head coach a positive headache. Okay, so a positive headache by making every player available for every game and training session with the physical capabilities of dominating their position week in and week out. So that's a really succinct way of talking about my goal as a strength and conditioning coach and how I 
judge and focus my decisions and plan my training and um, seasons. And, you know, that's how I judge the outcome of whether I actually have provided good strength and conditioning. Mm. So, yeah. And what's yours before we uh, pull each other's apart and ask for more <laughs> details around certain areas? Mm. I think yours is really good because at the end of the day, that's what we're trying to do as coaches is to have everyone available, everyone at a really good standard. So that coach is like, damn, who, who am I going to pick? <laughs> that's a nice big bark there. Yeah, my uh, dog, you know, being head of security, she must have seen someone come past. Yeah, someone suspicious. No, you're all good. So for, for the listeners, um, my philosophy has sort of changed over the years, but it wasn't until I read a book by Pete Carroll, which I have right here. So if you're watching on YouTube, you can see the book. It's called Win Forever. And he wrote it a few years back um, after they won the Super Bowl. And that book really changed my mindset on how I view my philosophy. So it's, it's pretty much just stolen from Pete, to be honest, but I claim it as my own now. We've, I'd changed a letter or two, so I've, it's all good now. Um, but, the central, good yep. <laughs> but the central theme of, around it is always compete to be better than you were yesterday, last week, and last year. But also compete to make your teammates better by raising the standard so it's not just individually it's okay let's say for instance me and you ben we're, we're both loose head props even though you're never a loose head you probably could make it as a loose head but we're, we're competing <laughs> but it's not it's not just me trying to be better than you it's me pushing you so you raise the standard and we both push each other to get better and i think that's a really cool um philosophy to have because i think sometimes in rugby we can just get focused too much on on ourselves and we've got to remember that we play a team sport and with that team we got to make everyone strong from one to 15 we're always going to be competing no matter what the drill is always pushing each other to get the best out of each other and find that extra edge because that's what's what's going to come down to in a game is who can go that extra step and do that sort of extra effort to to win that game so it's my philosophy sort of comes down to that, but it is quite big. Like there's many different, I don't know if you can see this quite well on YouTube, but there's many different layers to it. Um, but the last thing I'd want to say on the philosophy. So that was more for the, the central for the team is making each other compete in the gym and on the field. But my philosophy personally, I want to do things better than they have ever been done before. So that's raising the standard for me. Like I don't want to just want to come in and just add a little bit. I, I want to, just do things better so that's my philosophy and hence the reason i created my instagram page uh be better performance so yeah yeah that's nice it's really it you know when you narrow it down to the simple things competing against yourself competing against your friends and competing a bit against the current situation and in trying to improve it and make it better if mm. you're doing that you're winning you think of from strength and conditioning if you you know, you can push one kilo heavier than the week before, like you've actually got better. Mm. Sometimes if you just chip away at little things all the time, it compounds and makes a big difference. So, mm. yeah, like it. Totally. And then I'd say probably just adding on to my philosophy 
it's it's very in-depth but uh there's the certain beliefs that i have as well so in the gym we're always making sure every rep counts no matter if it's a a warm-up set or it's your last one or you're halfway through making sure when you pick that barbell up you're putting intent or a dumbbell whatever it is you got intent focus and you're driven to to make the most out of that rep and set you're also honest as well honesty above all else you're, you're honest to yourself and honest to your teammates that you're making sure that you're putting in 100 effort every single day you're respecting each other and you're also going to fit finish the rep as well don't leave anything in the tank that day make sure you maximize that day so then you can then recover and then sleep and then get back at it the next day as well yeah nice yeah yeah i like it i probably uh need to elaborate on mine and the different ideas behind it now that you've done that so i'm just making so, you compete now this, this this is what i've done I've, I've made you compete to be better there we go oh, compete to have a better answer the, the, <laughs> the information's there behind there yeah so to give the coach the head coach a, a positive headache but that's basically to know that you know your reason why you're there as a coach a lot of coaches start believing that it's about them and themselves but you're actually serving a part of the coaching team, right? And you're serving the, every individual there by trying to make them available. So you're trying to help everyone's career by giving them the opportunity to be available for games and training sessions. Mm. Um, with the physical capabilities to dominate their position, you have to have an intimate knowledge of what the physical capabilities are for each position and each unique rugby position there is so that they can display their talents. So they've mm. got to make sure that they're physically dominant in the key areas of their game. Now, to do it week in and week out, that's workload management and also how well you've prepared them for a season and how well you've actually prepared them through the week. So that's to make sure that they're there for every game and training session, ready to go to display their physical competence. Mm. Um, so there's a extra layers within that so that's why it sounds succinct in short that each of those things has a layer underneath mm. i think it's very important the point that you said was every position in rugby is so different so you want to make sure you maximize all those different um, skill elements to that position and you don't just want to give this pretty much the same program for all that all the way through at the elite level those athletes have worked the, their asses off from their first year all the way up to get to that level um, and followed really structured programs through the academy settings. And then once they're getting to that level, they want to keep unlocking, unlocking their potential and making sure that you're delivering a really good program to, that unlocks that, I think is a really important point um, that you made. Yeah. yeah, and the important point there is also knowing where those individuals sit, how close or far they are from those physical... Mm things that, you, that they need to display because it's that position and that person what they need to work on to get to that point. Mm. Um, and also what are the predictable things or, you know, highly likely things that will, could, could cause a rugby player to break down mm. within those positions and make sure you mitigate your training and your workload management and your exercise selection to stop that from happening mm. because you haven't, like, the only way you're going to win or win a competition is if you have your best players available the most and you go through the least number of players in a season 
that you have to put on the field. Once you start going past usually about 30, 32 players in a season, you're very unlikely to win a competition. So um, that's why it matters so much that what you do as a coach and also the buy-in that the players have and the trust that they have with what you're prescribing as well. And then they know that you're there to help them. Um, because if you can write a great program, if they don't believe or put in, like you're saying, the intent, because you haven't created those relationships and giving them a chance to express their needs and concerns, um, it's just not going to happen. Mm. So I think that moves us well into my next question is, what qualifications and experience should athletes look for when wanting to train with a coach? Yeah, so that's hard. Um, hard, but not hard. So, you know, I'm not going to say that everyone needs a degree, but uh, that a degree with lots of experience does create critical thinking. So you've got to think where, um, say, sports coaching, sports science degree or an exercise science degree. That's, it, it's about developing people to have critical thinking and analyse their selection and justifications for why they're prescribing. I think that's, you, you need that because you can say some really cool things and go, oh, I should do that. But um, the education is there to form critical thinking. Okay. Now the experience, it, it improves as you go along. So if you've got someone that has coached as they're going through their degree, um, that's fantastic because they're highly motivated. They haven't gone waiting until the end to get a, a coaching experience. They've actually been able to learn the theory and then apply it in that same week as they chip along. So I always think you look at someone, if they've got a degree, it took four years, they should have four years of coaching experience at whatever level that is because they're displaying their passion for coaching as they're going through. Mm. Um, yeah, and obviously, as you go, my dog's still going off. <laughs> She's on fire today. Um, she just wants to be a part of the podcast. Any other podcast. <laughs> She's putting her two cents into, and someone that can train a dog. So I'm mm. probably out now. She's just, she's just stating, um, stating her coaching philosophy. Yeah, absolutely. Give me food and I'll show up. Mm. Um, so that's that's what I think. And we mentioned before, if someone, if you're in Australia, if you're in a strength and conditioning association, you've actually, you've had to tick off hours and that's been signed off by a coach in terms of what lifts you can do and so forth. So they've actually seen you practically apply that as well, rather than just getting a degree. So I think it's, it's a mixture. It's um, the theory and then the art and then the applied setting, always looking for people that are, and also people that are still willing to learn. Like if someone says, no, you know absolutely everything, run away because no one does. Mm. We're always constantly trying to get better and improve all the time. How about mm. you, your theory behind uh, what makes a really good coach or what people should look for? Yeah, I, th I think you provide a really good answer for our listeners and just to sort of give my two cents on the on the on the question is just like you said so qualifications do matter to me um just because it's it's given you the practice uh, the theory behind everything of why you should do things and it also gives you that critical thinking but it also allows you to understand the research that is out there as well so if someone's claiming such and such gives you this result you can go back to those research studies and 
provide you a clear answer to your clientele and, and athletes and say, well, they actually drew a conclusion from this, but there needs to be more to it. Um, so I think it gives you that skill. And it also gives you a skill to learn how to probably communicate with other people as well, because in your groups at uni, you're talking to strangers and you need to be then able to then teach them how to do movements. So I think that's something I got from uni was being able to just talk to complete strangers and then get to work out with them and train them and figure out different solutions to the movement patterns as well. So I think having the qualifications from uni um, teaches people a lot through that for our young coaches and stuff and then the experience just like you said if they're coaching throughout their degree and finish the degree they're in a uh, have a big advantage over the other people who haven't done that coaching and they've sought out they're looking for answers they're looking for to train in, under different coaches and, and then apply that knowledge as well so i think yeah having the qualifications definitely matters um, and there's something you should probably ask the coach that you're looking to train with um, but just because that coach has all the qualifications doesn't mean they're actually a really good coach. They could have just ticked off the right boxes. I've known a couple of people and it's they've ticked off those boxes, but you also got to make sure that they're also a good person as well because you're going to be spending a lot of time with that coach and asking them for advice. And if they're not really a good person, you don't really want to be with them. You don't really want to train with them, especially on those cold mornings or you're a bit sore the next day and it's a hard session. If you don't really like that person, you're not going to give it your all. So find someone who, who also is a good person and, and can get the best out of you and challenge you to be, to be better. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I like that. It's interesting. You, you've, yeah, being able to get along with your coach, but also not having a coach that's a pushover. That you know they won't accept your latest standards, and you know that they've caught you out. Mm. That's a good thing to watch out for as well. Mm. Yeah, totally. So this is more, I would say, regarded around probably social media is what should athletes avoid when looking for a coach? Yeah, so that's yeah, probably a really good question. Um, I'd say ask around, okay? Ask people that have coached with them before as well. Um, make sure they're willing and open and wanting to share. And like, I think that's the key part about it. Remember, uh, a lot of people see people probably these days on social media and so forth, and it's always been that way. They look at people that have absolutely amazing and perfect bodies and think, oh, they're going to be the best coach. Like, um, not really. You, you've got to go for a coach that has worked with multiple people, been actually coaching for a long time and been successful. Or when people coach or have been coached with them, they stick with them for a long time. Obviously, there's a reason for that. So you can see a lot of turnover. So if people have a high turnover of jobs or where they're born mm. or a high turnover of clientele, there's, there's some issues going on there. So... Um, you'll always know someone that knows them and ask them what they're really like. It's similar to if you're, you're finding an employee, you know, that type of stuff. Make sure you do your due diligence and look for someone that's um, willing to share who they honestly are and someone that's uh, just not image orientated would be my advice to look for people. Mm. How about you? I think they're really good points that you just touched upon. And yeah, I think for athletes, it's, if you're looking at their social media, 
making sure they're not claiming stuff like do these exercises to maximize your performance in or did this will increase your such and your power by this much if you do this i think providing content like that is, is really misleading um so and i've seen a few coaches like that have said join me now and i'll increase such and such by this or it's, it's just some some bogus claims and i i think good coaches don't do that good, good coaches will be like if you join up with me i'll do the best that i can to increase your performance and i've have this method of training and it has worked in the past and i'll do everything i can to help you i think yeah and it's just being honest as a coach and what else should they avoid i think it's also just just scrolling through that that person's instagram feed are they training different athletes or is it just them posting videos of themselves because they might sort of be lying and not actually training people like who knows? Like, are they actually training other athletes and can get that athlete to do good form in multiple different lifts? And that's something I've tried to do is not just post about myself. I want to post my athletes. So people can then judge my coaching ability on, on that. And not all my videos are perfect and the athletes aren't lifting perfect, but where they have started and where they're going is, is incredible. And it's, it's really cool to, to see athletes progress and then share that with the world um, on social media. So I would say, yeah, coaches not claiming things that they shouldn't be claiming and just have a good look at their um, content and making sure that they are coaching different athletes and, and posting that type of stuff. But not all athletes want their stuff posted. I know that I don't do that. Um, but yeah, I think, think those are two good things to have a look at. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And the, the bogus claims are really like that because people that have um, been taught to critically think know that each person will respond slightly differently. So they'll trend up in certain ways. And if you're on YouTube, you can see I put it up. But everyone falls in different little plots. So saying that you can increase this by this much percentage, uh, that might happen for the one out of the 25 people. Everyone's going to be slightly different. So... Yeah, that's a really good point. Mm. Was there anything else you wanted to add onto this, onto episode six today? Uh, no, I'd just like to say to everyone, I do feed my dog. She is very happy. She just is very needy. That's basically yeah. it. <laughs> Aren't we all? So um, thanks for everyone for tuning, tuning into episode six today. Remember to like, subscribe and rate um, our podcast on Spotify, YouTube and Instagram. Sign up today to become a beast via the link in the description or via Instagram page. But don't wait. Make that good decision and join Elite Rugby SNC program and take your game to the next level. So thank you everyone for listening and watching on YouTube. And thank you, Ben. Yeah, thank you. And don't be afraid of reaching out and chatting to us at any time as well. Cool. I'm just Guess hello to Karen. Right. See ya.